Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise God. What a joy, what a joy, what a joy it is to see you. I am Pastor Parnell and Lovelace Jr. And I'm so honored to be in the house of the Lord with you today. Hey, turn to somebody next to you on your right or on your left and say, I'm so happy to see you. I don't know what to do with myself. Go ahead and tell them. I'm so happy. I'm so happy to see you. I don't know what to do with myself. Praise God. It's so good to see you. It's good to be in the presence of God and to be here as family, to come and from all walks of life and all backgrounds and north, south, east, and west, come here together to worship, to learn, and to give and to just honor God. So I am grateful for each and every one of you. Our, our beloved pastor, Pastor Lance, has launched us uh, in a series a week, weekend before last entitled Investment in Heaven or Investing in Heaven. And it's talking about giving, talking about finances. And I'm so blessed he led us off. And then Pastor Brian came along and last weekend blessed us tremendously to understand the spirit and the heart of generosity. And uh, once again, I have been commissioned to be the mop-up man. So I, I'm coming along and kind of do the drawstring and bring us to a close on the series. But I trust that it has been a blessing to you. I want to commend the leadership of our church on tackling the subject of giving and generosity. Because unfortunately, because of those who have misapplied scripture who have taught things erroneously, there's a tendency for the church to kind of swing the other direction and not address the area of giving or address the area of generosity. And uh, I don't know about you, I want to know what all the Word of God says. I don't want to just take bits and pieces of the Word. Come on, this is not Golden Corral. I want to get all of the Word of God. <laughs> I want to grow through God's word. So I'm so thankful that our pastor and the leadership have led us into this series. And I just want to, be, lest I forget, after uh, we dismiss in the vestibule, in the foyer, there will be a group of people who are part of our church family called Budget Care. And if we can come alongside you and encourage you uh, in the area of your finances, uh, to be able to give you some support because when you talk about finances and particularly personal finances, it can be a pretty touchy subject and it can also be a very scary subject. But uh, there are those who want to help and want to support you and help you to move from a place of debt to a place of financial freedom. And so if we can do that and come alongside you, just come along to the table there, go out there and let them know. I'd like to sign up. When is the, you know, the support that you can offer? What is it that you offer? And they'll be happy to serve you. I thank God, uh, my wife of now 24 years, I tell anyone if my lovely wife Diana did not handle our finances, my credit score would still be 120. So I'm <laughs> thankful that uh, we've got some folks that know how to help us through these matters. All right? Are you ready for the word? Praise the Lord. Let's pray together and see what the Lord has for us. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the depths of my heart for this, your beloved and my dear ones that have come. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We appreciate so very much 
this day that you have made, a day that we've not seen before. As the old folks used to say, you woke us up this morning, clothed us in our right mind, and you allowed us, God, to come. You didn't have to do it, but you did. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day. Now give us clarity of thought, continuity of thinking, accuracy of the text. Help your servant to share in such a way that even a child would be able to embrace the wonderful truth that is given to us through the text. And Lord, you know that I'll do nothing but give you all of the praise, all the adoration. I will exalt you. I will extol you. You are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me, if you will, please, to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. And we've entitled this teaching in this last installment of our series on giving. We've entitled this teaching, Giving from the Heart. Giving from the Heart. In 1995, my wife and I, we'd only been married uh, just a few months, and uh, so we didn't have any children, but we had lots of friends that uh, the Lord had blessed us with, both uh, friends that I acquired through marrying her and friends that she acquired through marrying me and being a part of our church. My wife was from the Bay Area, and uh, she had come. We accorded for a year, and then we were engaged a year, and then we were married. Well, it was our custom back in those days. We had lots of little extra time, and I was, uh, I believe at the time we were doing three services on Sunday morning, and we would have the three services, but typically Sunday night was free. We were not having a service on Sunday night as we had in earlier years. Well, uh, for fun, fun to us, to my wife and I, fun to us, I, I, when some people say, let's go have some fun, I know a lot of people think of fun as being, let's go play top golf. Let's go, you know, to play basketball, do some things. And that indeed can be fun. I think people should do that. But for my wife and I, and I, I make no joke about this, fun to us was going to church. We had fun going to church. And we loved to go many times, jump in the car and just, you know, head down to Oakland or head down to the Bay Area because we wanted to go hear one of those big fancy, large gospel choirs sing some of our favorite songs and what have you. And, or there would be a preacher that was coming from out of town we wanted to hear. So we'd just jump in the car with a bunch of friends and we'd all head there to Oakland or to the Bay Area to go to church. Well, this one particular Sunday, we got down there about 7 o'clock. The service started at 7.30 at a church there in Oakland. We had heard of the church. And uh, we'd gone to hear the choir and, and see the pastor that was going to speak from out of town. When we got there, the service was nice. It started at 730. Uh, it didn't end. It was it's lated after the preacher got through preaching. He didn't stop preaching until 1030. So it was late. But to us, it was fun. We were, we were having fun. You know, this, was, this is what we do. We stay in church all day, you know. And so we were sitting there listening to him. Then the preacher, when he got through at 10.30, right at the time my wife was grabbing her purse and I was reaching for the car keys, the preacher looked out to the congregation and he says, all right, before we go, ushers, hold the doors. <laughs> and I'm looking around and uniformed ushers, 
uniformed, matching uniforms, start moving to the aisles. And they start blocking the doors. And he says, no one is to come in and no one's to go out. Hold the doors. We're getting ready, and these were the terms he used, we're getting ready to take up an offering. Now, I thought to myself, we had already had an offering about two hours earlier. This was a second offering that was going to be, I thought they didn't use the word receive, he said taken up. And so he says, we're going to do a second. Now, now hear me. Hear me on this. I had no problem with there being a second offering. That is not uncommon in many services for there to be. There can be, in other words, a time where it can be an appropriate time to have a second offering. That's, that's not uncommon. We've done that here. Not on, you know, on a very rare occasion we have said we're going to receive a second offering. Thank God we didn't say take it up. But we said, we're going to receive it. That, that's, that part didn't bother me. That part did not bother me. If there's a specific cause in which we're responding, I have no problem with that. But here's where it got off track for me. Here's where it got off track. He said, we're going to take up an offering. And he said, and I quote, I'm not making it up, I quote, we can do this the easy way <laughs> or the hard way. We can do this the easy way or the hard At that point, I thought to myself, this is a shakedown. Put your hands on the communion table and assume the position. I knew that there was a problem here. And he said, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. And I sat there, and I kid you not, for the next 45 minutes held hostage in the house of God <laughs> during an offering time. And, beloved, had God not dealt with me, that experience, that incident, that moment would have left a bad taste in my mouth to the extent that I probably would have thought any time the subject of giving is brought up, I would have rejected it. I would not want to hear anything about it had it not been for the fact that after I left there and got in the car, I was determined to go home and study the Word of God and embrace God's Word in such a way that I would understand what is my motivation to give. Why am I motivated to give? Because, to be quite truthful, that did not motivate me to give, that experience. But God's Word has motivated me to understand some scriptures that I'm going to share with you right now. That very night that God shared with me over the several weeks that followed that incident, I share those scriptures with you now to encourage you. Take your fill-in, if you will, please, in your bulletin and fill these words in, if you will. I exemplify, here's your first word, the kingdom of God most as I give from my heart. Let me read that again, if I may. I exemplify, demonstrate, I show, I model, I present. I exemplify the kingdom of God most. There are other ways in which the kingdom of God 
is presented and exemplified and demonstrated, but I exemplify the kingdom of God most as I give, and notice the place of origination, from my heart. I look most like my heavenly Father when I give, or as I give. We have been given the tremendous opportunity, hear me family, the tremendous opportunity to partner in the kingdom of God as presented through the mission that God has given this church, Bridgeway Christian Church. The, the, the fact that we are called to equip one another to bring the wholeness of Jesus to a broken world. I think I can say this without there being any pushback, is that if there was ever a time If there was ever a time for there to be the manifestation and the presentation of the mission that God has given our church, if there was ever a time for it to be presented in the earth, I submit to it, it is right now. I submit to you, it is right now. You see the news just as I do, that there's brokenness all around us. Brokenness in the earth. Brokenness within our community, brokenness within our region, brokenness within our family, and even brokenness in this room right now. If there ever was a time that we have been called, beloved, to show forth the mission that God has given us, it indeed is right this moment. Maybe that's why God has blessed this church to be such a generous people. And with that generosity, there comes and understanding that we have been given great responsibility. Great responsibility. Hear me. As managers of God's resources. Here's how this works. We own nothing. We own nothing. We say, my house, my car, my job, my family, my life. We own nothing. It is God who owns it all. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth, the world, and all that dwell within it, it all belongs to God. It all belongs to Him. He has given us the opportunity to be managers or the church version of it, we call it stewards or stewardship. He has given us the ability to partner in the kingdom, to partner in the work of the Lord as being managers of his resources, of that which belongs to him. Again, we say, my house, my house is a very, very, very fine, it ain't your house. It's not your house. (laughs) Come on, baby. You don't even belong to yourself. We belong to him. It all belongs to God. And he has called us to be, again, his managers. So what motivates us, what motivates us is our immeasurable love for God, the owner, and all of his people. All of his people. Therefore, in this church, we, 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 we don't, listen, we, we, we don't have to give, we get to give. That's, that's how it works. We don't have to, but we get to. 
My office is side by side to our senior pastor, Pastor Lance. If you walk up to his office, I'm at the left of his office. And there is on any given occasion that I'm in the office that I will go into the office to just encourage him or check on him or find out if he needs anything. That, that's just a routine. If I'm there and he's there, I will check to see if he's available, if his door is open. If his door is open, I'll tap on the door. I don't assume I can just walk in. Even though we are friends and we are brothers, I, don't, I give him the respect as our leader, as our pastor, and I will just tap on his door. And there are several occasions that I've walked into his office and he'll be standing there looking out the window over at the field or the corner lot that is adjacent to this building. And he'll just be gazing out there and then he'll just casually say to me, he'll say these words, he'll say, Ah, God has plans for us. God has plans for us for this property. God has plans. We celebrate today two years of being in this building. What a blessing. You're sitting in a miracle. God did this. God did this. And, And he'll look out at that property and say, I have plans. God has plans for us. Big plans for us. And I'll just sit there in awe just watching his eyes and watching him gaze across. And I know him well enough. I know his heart well enough that he's not merely talking buildings. He's not merely talking about building new buildings. Although that's what he's speaking of is that we're building, we're going to build something one day on that property. I know that this, that's what he's referencing. But in his heart, it translates as men, women, boys, and girls that will come from this neighborhood, that will come from this community, that will come from this region, that will come to hear the message that God has given us as a church family. Amen. I, I hear it in his heart. Ah, that's why, that's why I love being around visionaries. I can't be around lazy folks. I like being around people that have vision. People that think beyond where we are right now. That's the type of leader that God has blessed us with. And so, as we think through this and process this, what, a, what an opportunity God has given us to partner in our resources as His stewards or as His managers. Let's look at our text here in Proverbs 2. You follow as I read. Listen to the words. It's referencing the heart. Listen to what he says. My son or daughter, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom. Catch this. We're talking about this being the year of wisdom. We're emphasizing that in our teachings this year. Making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness. Did you catch this? Did you catch this? 
then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. When wisdom is applied to the heart, when wisdom is dwelling within the heart of the hearer, then comes understanding and insight that will allow this individual, he says here, to be able to understand righteousness and understand justice and understand equity and understand every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart. There it is again. Wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. The, 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 the idea that the writer here gives us is that it is the heart, the innermost being of each and every one of us, the very essence of our being. It is the heart that God says, I want wisdom to dwell. I want wisdom to live within each and every one of you. Well, that helps us because then look at the next uh, passage that I will read to you in Proverbs 21 if you turn there quickly and listen to what these words say. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise person's dwelling, but a foolish person devours it. Let me read that again. Precious treasure, that's wisdom, and oil, that's wisdom. Precious oil and treasure are in a wise person's dwelling. It's in your house. It's in your house. There, 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 in each and every one of us, there is precious treasure, precious commodity, precious resources. There is oil that's in the wise man or the wise woman's dwelling. But a person who's a fool devours it, consumes it. It's where we get this idea of a consumer. A consumer takes the commodities that have been received and they consume the commodities. Now, can I say something to you? As managers of God's resources, we are not called to be mere consumers. We are called to be producers. Whatever God puts into our hands, it is His expectation that we will do something with it Produce with it, present it back to him, and as we present it to him, people will give him glory. They will give him honor. But he says a fool devours the precious treasure. The fool squanders the resource. The fool eats and consumes but does not produce. Listen to what he says. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise person's dwelling, but a foolish man or person devours it. Whoever, here's the key, here's the key, here's the application of wisdom to the heart. Whoever pursues, goes after, chases after, seeks after, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Did you catch that? Whoever pursues righteousness. My, my friend, who's a Hebrew scholar, uh, teaches at one of the universities in the Midwest. He's one of the few true Hebrew scholars. 
he translates in the Hebrew this passage as to suggest that the word righteous is plural there. It's to suggest the concept of righteousnesses or righteous acts or acts of righteousness. He who pursues, the one, she who pursues righteous acts or acts of righteousness and the corresponding behavior that comes with it, kindness, that person will find life, righteousness, and honor. Now, let me say something. I don't mean this to be despairing to any of us that are here in this room, but it challenges me. It challenges me. It challenges me to high Hilton. It challenges me. I have never seen so many mean, nasty, sad-looking folks that call themselves believers looking like they've been baptized in pickle juice. They're sad, they're depressed, they're nasty, they're mean-spirited. I told you all about the fact I was driving in a car, and this is true, I'm driving in a car, and somebody had a sticker on the back of the car that says, Honk, if you love Jesus, I really love Jesus. I laid on the horn, and they stuck a finger out at me, and it wasn't pointing me in the right direction. True story. They forgot. They put the sticker there. It amazes me that people who say that they are children of the living God at times can be some of the most rude and mean-spirited people. I believe with all this within me is that when you pursue righteousness and you pursue the things of God, I believe with all this within me, kindness comes with it. Let me just go there since I got a little frozen response. I'm going to go there one more time. That when people come here, we ought to be some of the most kindest people. That people, even before they take their seat, they know that they are loved. They know that they are welcomed in this place. I need not walk across this parking lot. And I know you see me. And you not say hello. Or welcome. I need not come into this auditorium. And at times it can be jam-packed and we need extra seats. And I look and you've got your Bible and your purse in the seat because you don't want anybody to sit next to you. Don't move your purse now. I ain't talking about you. Don't try to move it now. We ought to be kind to each other. Show acts of kindness. Show acts of righteousness. Not be afraid to smile at each other. Not be a smile, afraid to, to smile or to greet one another. To exude and present that which we're going after. He says here, and I'm going to read it to you again. He says that this person who pursues righteousness and kind acts will find life, will find righteousness, and will find honor. Let me put it in the Parnell M. Lovelace Jr. vernacular. Will find favor. 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 That's when God just says, I'm going to do it because I'm giving you favor. I'm going to do it not because you deserve it, not because you're all of that, but because he's all of that. God says, when you are obedient to me, when you are obedient to me, when you exude the love of Jesus Christ, when you bless others, when you realize you are blessed to be a blessing, God says, I will just do some divine things that will just put you in the spot, in the center a favor. Favor. Where goodness and mercy just follows you all the days of your life. 
When you turn around, every time you turn around, it just seems like God just keeps providing. Even in the midst of our chaos and challenge, it seems like God keeps making a way when it seems like there is no way. That's favor, y'all. That's favor. That's, that's when I sit there and I'll walk inside a Starbucks and the person will turn around and, and tell me, oh, the, the, the lady who went before you took care of your drink. I don't deserve that. But that's favor. Why is that? Because I want to live a life in such a way that I present acts of kindness, acts of righteousness, righteous acts. Look with me. Maybe that's why in Second Chronicles chapter 9, verses 8 through 9, maybe that's what the Queen of Sheba was experiencing when she came before King Solomon. And she says these words to the king. Listen to what she says. The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words. I heard of your words and of your wisdom. Catch this. She says, the report was true. I heard in my land, thousands of miles away, of your words and of your wisdom. But I did not believe the report until I came and with my own eyes I had seen it. Can I tell you something? Wisdom that is applied to the heart is observable. It's not a secret. It's not hidden. When we apply wisdom to our hearts, everybody around you will begin to see the effects of the wisdom. They'll begin to see the results of the wisdom. Wisdom is not hidden. She said, I heard the report, but it wasn't until I got here and saw it with my own eyes. And behold, half the greatness of your wisdom was not told me. You surpassed the report that I heard. Happy, verse 7, are your wives, plural. Don't you try it. (laughs) Happy are your wives. Happy these servants, your servants, and who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on his throne as king for the Lord your God. Because your God loved Israel and would establish them forever. He has made you king over them that you, listen to the wording here, that you, Solomon, may execute, one translation says do, that you may do justice, that you may do righteousness, that you may exercise, execute justice and righteousness. And then look what she does in verse 9. Then she gave King Solomon 120 talents of gold and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. There were no spices such as those that the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Might I submit to you without hesitation, that's favor. That's favor. That's favor. When wisdom is applied to the heart... Favor is presented. Life comes. Righteousness comes. Favor. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that gets me. Here's the thing. This is what gets me. What gets me about this account of Sheba, the queen of Sheba, and Solomon, what gets me about this is that it says she gave him stones, precious stones, precious spices, so forth. Here's the thing. 
There was nothing that the Queen of Sheba gave Solomon that he needed. There's not one nugget of gold that he needed from her. There's not one diamond that he needed from her. There's nothing that she gave that he needed. And yet, here's what throws me. He received what she gave. And then upon her departure from the land, returning to her land, he not only gave her what she had presented to him, but gave him more, gave her more on top of that. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? When you understand who your source is, when you understand who owns everything that you possess, you don't worry about anything because you know that you are only the manager and it's just a transaction that's taking place between receiving and giving it back. As I receive it, I give it back. And as I give it back, I receive it again. It doesn't stay with me so that I can devour it. It's released from me so that God can be glorified. That, that, that's the heart of the giver. That's the heart of the giver. That's the heart of one who gives. So in Matthew 6.30, that helps me now. In Matthew 6, uh, chapter 6 and verse 30 through 33, that now gives me some understanding when Jesus says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you a little faith. Therefore, based upon this, based upon this, based upon that he will not leave you, forsake you. He will not leave you abandoned. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, did you catch this? Don't be anxious saying, don't be anxious and put some words on top of that fear. Don't be anxious saying, what am I going to eat, what am I going to drink, and what am I going to wear? He says, don't be anxious. Don't be fearful. Don't be dominated by fear. Here's how it works. It's God's way of saying, I'll take care of you. I've got you. Don't get stressed. Don't allow fear and anxiety to dominate you in your life because I've got you. I already know you have need of those things. I already know that your child just graduated from high school and they're getting ready to go to college and the scholarship has not come through and you're wondering how you're going to be able to do it. I already know that you're in between jobs and you're wondering how the mortgage is going to be paid this month. I already know that you've already got your second notice from SMUD and PG&E and you're wondering if they're going to turn the lights out. I already know that they're threatening to repossess the car. I already know that it seems like the children have more financial needs and more things that you can even afford. You're trying to look at what your income is. You're looking at what your check says and you're looking at what the expenses are and you're trying to figure out how all of this is going to come together the Lord says don't be anxious saying what am I going to do don't be anxious saying what am I going to do how am I going to handle this how am I going to get through this verse 32 for the Gentiles seek after all of these things they also they seek after clothes they seek after food they seek after drink. 
They seek after money. They seek after status. They seek after gated community. They seek after latest model cars. They seek after all of these things. What they don't seek after is the one who owns it all. They don't seek after him. They seek after the things, but they don't seek after God. He says, the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all of these things. But, but, seek, pursue. Seek first the kingdom of God. And not your righteousness, not how good you are, not whether or not you have it all together, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteous acts. His righteousness. And all these things. What things? What you need to eat, what you need to drink, what you need to wear, how you're going to pay for the bills. All of that will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. Put Him first. Let let, let me be more specific with you. And I'm going to say this to you. Notice it does not say seek after your own ability and your own righteousness. In fact, that always produces a sense of shame because we always fall short. But it says, seek after his righteousness, his kingdom and his righteousness. Can I say this to you? I believe with all that's within me that when you, hear me now, when you and I have been embraced by the righteousness of God that comes through Jesus Christ, it is impossible not to exude acts of righteousness. I'm going to talk as slow as though we're on Sesame Street. Let's go. (laughs) I believe that when you and I have been embraced by our identity of who we are in Christ, when we have truly allowed ourselves to be embraced by His righteousness, and we know that, it is impossible for you not to want to bless somebody and exude kindness. It's tied to your identity. It's tied to who we are. I act like I am. I do as I am. I exude who I am. I exude who he is in me. I look like my daddy. I've got his eyes, his nose, his mouth. I've got everything that looks like him. I look like him. I exude him. Watch this, children. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. And let me say something to you. Let me say something to you. Maybe this will help. Giving, look at me for just a moment. Giving is never contingent upon affordability. I didn't think that would go over too well. Let me try one more time. (laughs) Giving is never contingent upon affordability. It's not a matter of you being able to afford to give. The key is that never focus on what you don't have, but lock into what you do have to offer. My mother, as I told you, has been in heaven now for 15 years. She raised four boys as a single parent, as a single woman, Raised four boys. None of them are in jail. All of them love Jesus. All of them are serving God. And she raised four of us. And she raised us on an income of social security and disability. 
That was it. She was disabled from the Air Force and Social Security. They called it SSI. That's, that was it. And I, I kid you not, until the day she went to be with the Lord, her, her monthly income, raising four of us as children, and then when she went to be with the Lord, by the time she passed away, her monthly income was less than $2,000 a month. And yet God had his hand on her. In such a way that I watched this woman, I watched this woman take her little check that at one time was as low as $1,200 a month, and I watched her take that check, and faithfully, every time I watched her do this, she would practice the principle of tithing and offerings and bring her gifts to the church, bring her gifts to the house of the Lord, and present it to the Lord. And not only would she do that, but time and time again, I watched her sit there and look down the aisle and look down the pews and reach into her purse and take what I knew to be her last $20 bill or her last $10 bill or her last $50 that she may have had in her purse. And she would take it and see a single mother or a single father sitting there with their children and she would reach in, not even knowing them, and hand them the money and say to the person, here, go and bless those babies. Go and bless those babies. I can't tell you how many times I watched her turn around and tell people, after church, who are you? What's your name? After church, I want you to follow me, and we're going over on Watt Avenue to Chungking Chinese Buffet, and I'm going to pay for your meal. I watched her do that. And I'm thinking to myself, you're going to pay for their meal? And you got to feed us too? But she understood the principle that she didn't own any of it. It all belonged to God. She knew the same God that provided for her to be able to bless that person sitting down the aisle next to her. That same God would provide for her table. And beloved, I don't know how God supernaturally did it. All I know is that he supernaturally did it. He blessed that woman with wisdom that she could take one chicken, one whole chicken, and cut it up and feed five of us and there'd still be some left over. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? That it's, 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 there's something that happens from when you release it from your hand and God receives it to the need. That God some way, somehow moves on your behalf with favor. Ah, I'm trying to tell you. I'm sitting in a house right now that I knew my credit score denoted I shouldn't live there. But favor. I'm, I'm telling you, I've walked on to jobs that I knew I didn't qualify for. But favor. When, when you are obedient to God, I don't know why the church is scared to teach it. When you are obedient to God, don't be apologizing for the favor that God releases on your life. Because it's not so that people can say how great you are. It's so that people can say how great your God is. When they see the mercy, when they see the favor of God, it's so that they will glorify your Father. Don't apologize for how God has blessed you. Don't apologize for that. I don't know, some of us, I just want to be humble. You can be prideful in your humility. <laughs> don't, be, don't be prideful in your humility. 
understand it's the Lord who's blessed you with it and give him praise and people will give God praise as they see that you're blessing and giving and sowing and allowing yourself to be used of the Lord in such a way. See, the Holy Spirit, thank you, Holy Spirit, thank you, thank you, thank you, Holy Spirit. There, there, there's some people here right now, anxiety has set in your heart concerning your finances. Some of you are in between jobs right now. Some of you have gotten some notices that have come through. They're threatening to take the house or to take the car. Some of you are worrying about your children and how you're going to be able to supply for your children in college. Some of you are stressing over some things. Some of you, you want God to open up your hands and give you freedom in the area of your finances. And you're sitting here right now. The Holy Spirit is in this room. And He wants you to be free in the area of your finances. That is not to confuse you. That is not to bring you into a state of sadness and depression. Some of you couldn't even really praise God like you needed to praise Him today based upon what's heavy on your mind concerning your finances. I want to pray with you right now. If that's you and you say, I need God to move for me right this moment. I need God to do something. I need a door to open this week, this month. I need God to do something. Stand to your feet real quick. I want to pray with you. If that's you, stand to your feet. Don't hesitate. Don't be embarrassed. Stand to your feet right now. I'm going to believe God supernaturally to do something because His Holy Spirit is in this room and He wants to release this in your life. He wants to release the resources that you need in your life. If you're sitting next to anybody that's standing to their feet, stretch your hands towards them right now and don't just let me pray, but you open your mouth and begin to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for my brother. Thank you for my sister. Thank you, Lord God. You are the Lord God that will provide for them. In the name of Jesus, we ask you for supernatural breakthrough, Lord God, that doors will come open as they are obedient to you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that applications will go through. Interviews are coming in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that supernatural resources are coming their direction regarding their finances. In Jesus' name, unexpected finances will come through in the name of Jesus. And Lord, tonight they will sleep well. They will not toss in turn. Thank you, Lord God. They will sleep well knowing that you, Father God, you are in control. You rule and you reign, Lord. So we speak favor. We speak blessing. We speak encouragement. We speak strength. We speak miracle after miracle in the wonderful name of Jesus. Because, Lord, you know that this woman, this man will do nothing but give you all of the praise. Give you all of the adoration. They will tell everyone, this is what the Lord did. This this is how God answers prayer. And we believe it and receive it in Jesus' name. Everybody give God the highest praise and bless Him in this house. Come on, give Him praise up in here. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Slap somebody on the shoulder and say, I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. See, some of y'all, you need to understand something. When we walk inside these four walls, we don't come in here just to waste time. This is not where we just sing, you know, do three points and a hymn. In this place, we come to see God lift the hearts of people and supernaturally transform lives and give us a testimony. We don't leave here the same way we came. We leave out of here delivered and set free in the name of Jesus. Come on, give him praise. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Woo! I feel like preaching here now. 
I got to get you all out of here. Let me read one more verse and we'll get on up out of here. But whoo, I have preached myself happy. <laughs> Glory to God. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 9. Here's a wonderful way to end it. In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, I like the way Paul ends it for us. He says, the point is this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, I know when we talk about giving, and we talk about, you know, usually on this subject, people say, well, you know, Pastor Lovelace, there's more than one way to give. We're talking about your time, your talent, and all of these things. It's a, it's a wonderful, you know, it's amazing how we default to time and talent. And then when we get the money, we get quiet. But the reality is, when Paul was speaking of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, he was talking about money. He wasn't talking about time. He wasn't talking about talent. He was talking about an offering. He was addressing a church that was a poor congregation, and yet they seized the opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God, to be a blessing to the saints of God. And Paul is speaking of the Macedonians to the Corinthians to encourage them. Look at the Macedonians who are poor. Look how they've responded. He says, this is how you're to be. What would cause someone to sow sparingly? What would cause someone to give sparingly? Might I suggest to you? Anxiety. Being anxious. Being fearful. How am I going to make it? What's going to happen? What am I going to do? It's like the, the other day when I went to J.J.'s fish market to buy some fish dinner for my family. And we're sitting there getting our dinners. And I'm standing there. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, Buy a meal for the elderly lady that's standing behind you. And I said, Okay. Yes, Lord. I'll do that. I didn't hear him audibly, but in my spirit. He said, Buy her a meal. I bought her a meal. I, said, I told the cashier, I'll take care of her meal. I don't know you, but I'm going to take care of her meal. I was fine. I could afford that. I could afford that. But then the Holy Spirit says, and take care of the lady behind her <laughs> and buy her meal. Now all of a sudden, anxiety kicks in. Now I'm thinking, this is, I'm telling you, thoughts came to mind. I tell y'all, I may have the gift to teach it. I don't have the gift to live it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't have the gift to live it. The Holy Spirit says, and by the lady over there, by her, her meal as well. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden anxiety kicks in. Lord, I got to buy her meal? What if she's buying for her whole family? What if she's buying? For, I'm thinking in my mind, I don't want to pay for her grandchildren to eat too. Here's how it works, beloved. When you embrace the business of God, how many of you know he'll get in your business? He'll get in your business. And God says, just be obedient to me. If she buys up a meal for her whole block, be obedient to what I've told you to do. They both came later after they got their meal and said, that blessed us. One lady said, I'm from Montgomery, Alabama. Come to find out the same place I was born. She says, I'm from Montgomery, Alabama. I've been here for three months. I've never had anybody in Sacramento buy me a meal. That blesses me. Two elderly women. This week at Chick-fil-A. I'm sitting there ordering my meal. I look back. There's an 
young African-American young man standing there in his uniform, little work uniform, worked for a little window and door company, and he's standing there. And I sit there, and I pay for my meal. Then I tell the lady, I want to take care of this young man's meal here. He walks up. He says, you don't have to do that. And I say, I know I don't have to. I get to. I get to. I said, because I'm so proud of you, young man, holding down a job, staying safe on the streets, handling your business. I want to invest in you. I want you to know I appreciate you. Ten minutes later, he'd walk over to my table. He says, that was God. God bless you. See, why do I tell you that? It's not to bring praise to me. It's to bring praise to the one who has provided for me. When you give, you don't have to hold your debit card up in the air and say, Thus I have given, bless us the Lord. <laughs> you ain't got the parade. He sees you. And he will honor you. And he will bless you. I close with this. The point is this, he says, You were not to give reluctantly or out of compulsion, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. Why are we cheerful? Because we know who it all belongs to. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. That's out of Psalm 112 where it speaks of the characteristics of the righteous. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply. Notice here, he who supplies seed to the sower. Seed to the sower. Lean over and tell somebody, don't eat your seed. Don't devour your seed. Don't take your seed to Nordstrom Rack on sale day. Don't. <laughs> he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. That's your righteous acts. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce many thanksgivings to God. And he closes that chapter by saying, thank God for his unexplicable gift that you can't even imagine how great he is. I hope this has encouraged you because here's the bottom line, babes. That bottom line, it all belongs to him. Let's be good stewards of what he has given us. And let's sow generously. You don't have to be anxious about anything. God is in control. Stand to your feet all over this room. Lift your hands as high as you can. Lift those hands high. Lift those hands high. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye. Heavenly host, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Once again, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures. Here below, praise Him above 
heavenly host. Everybody. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And this is how we used to end it. Amen. Give them the high praise. Come on, give them the high praise. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. The prayer team's coming, and they're going to be standing here in the front. As you've heard testimony all throughout this celebration, this service today, God is working. He wants to not only hear you, but answer you. He's here for you. This prayer team's going to be standing in the front. Any way we can pray and agree with you, we want to do so. Don't forget, we have our introducing Bridgeway gathering that will be taking place in classroom number one. I'm going to head up there. Some of our staff is ready to meet you and just greet you if you're new to our family. We just want to love on you, all right? Listen, I love you and ain't a thing you can do about it. <laughs> <laughs>